Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're glad to be able to have the opportunity and the means and the ability to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We encourage everybody, and if you're in the Omaha area especially, to come and be with us in person. Study God's Word with us, worship God, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. But at the same time, we know that there are people who are, even in this area, who cannot be with us for one reason or another, perhaps physical or medical handicaps of one kind or another. And there are people who listen across the country and literally around the world. So we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word again through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts on such a widespread basis. How blessed we are to have this technology, to reach out with God's word everywhere the internet is available. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through uh, through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can, everybody you run into. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody come to God and ultimately get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them, for sure, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every time you can with everybody you can. Now, also encourage people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And when they do that, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whatever they choose, automatically they will receive a a Wednesday night Bible class, a Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons. And they'll also receive a daily radio program Monday through Friday that we call Search the Scriptures. And... And this is what I really consider, all of those are important and all of those are great. But this this is kind of a a hidden gem in a way, if you think about it in that way. I I really think it's effective. And that is a a seven-day-a-week short Bible class that we call today's Bible class. It's only about 13 minutes each day, but it keeps us in God's Word. And being only about 13 minutes, we can almost always fit that into our busy schedules. Today's Bible class, seven days a week. Now, all of that will automatically go to their smart device, and it's free, and it always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. Now, if you are in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, and our and it's on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. Then on Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, set aside our busy schedules and get together at 6.30 each Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services, and we do hope to see you, and we hope to hear from you. And again, if you're listening in another part of the country or some other part of the world, we're thankful you're there, and we're thankful that we can be with you as we study God's Word together. We're going to 
get back into 1 John, and we're in chapter 5, and we're in the closing verses of this particular chapter. As I've emphasized a number of times going through these studies, when you look at especially as we went through James and then First and Second Peter and now First John, you get so much instruction to the individual Christian. And it's, it's like, well, of course, it's God guiding these writers to write what he wants them to write, Second Timothy 3 and verse 16. But they're, they're just hitting us with so many, maybe I should say feeding us so much in, in, with so many specific instructions and encouragements and directions for our Christian lives, our spiritual lives. And they're so beneficial to the individual Christian. Now, because the church is made up of Christians, then they're beneficial for the church as well, for each congregation, and for the Lord's church as a whole all around the world. But the specific instruction to individual Christians is just so beneficial to us on an individual basis. Well, we're in the very closing verses of chapter 5, 1 John. And so in verse 18, John goes on and he says, I know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Interesting statements. Two of them, I think, at least two focuses in this one verse. First, when he says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now, that probably has bothered a whole lot of people who want to be faithful to God, who want to be faithful Christians, but they find themselves sinning from time to time. And so if they read this on a surface level basis and don't understand the grammatical uh, structure or the grammatical meaning within the original language, which this was written in Greek originally, then they may walk away very discouraged, feeling that they're a failure and that there's no way they can successfully be faithful to God on a consistent basis because they, they sin from time to time. Well, I believe I understand the the uh, verb, the, under, the, the meaning of the verb structure in the Greek, when it says, whoever is born of God does not sin, what it's really trying to get across there is saying, whoever is born of God, and that is we're born of God through Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, John 14 and verse 6. And as we are baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38, we're born again. As Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, has to happen in order for us to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. We have to become a new creation from a spiritual perspective, as the Apostle Paul brings out in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. So, we're born again as we are baptized into Christ. And the Apostle Paul goes into really wonderful detail about that process, that, re, that, that transformation, if we could look at it from that perspective, in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Now, coming back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. The sense there, I believe, 
it, the correct understanding of the sense there, going back to the, to the Greek verb, is that whoever is truly born of God, whoever has truly become a Christian, does not continue to live in a lifestyle of sin. Now, if you go back to chapter 1 in 1 John, and we've looked at this particular text many times as we've been studying through 1 John, but beginning with verse 5, it says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, now again, the light is metaphorical for righteousness, godliness, purities from a spiritual perspective, and darkness is just the opposite. It's, it's referring to the darkness of sin and unfaithfulness and ungodliness, unrighteousness. So if we say we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, the darkness of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the light of the righteous teachings of God's word, the, right, the light of Christianity, faithfulness to God, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of, from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, to whom is this particular letter written most directly? We go back to verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, when we have looked upon him, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, and John here is talking about his personal relationship with Jesus as an apostle while Jesus was on this earth in his public ministry. John was one of the apostles walking with him, seeing him, actually having touched him, and having seen him risen after he had been crucified on the cross and buried in that tomb. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, I believe we're to understand that John address this particular letter most directly to Christians, those who had already become Christians. In verse 2, he says, rather in chapter 2, in verse 1, he addresses the readers as, my little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin, that is, continue to live in sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, do you see the distinction there between Jesus being the propitiation for our sins and also for the sins of the whole world? There's the distinction, the distinction in identity. John is writing this to Christians. Continually through, this, through these five chapters, he talks about 
how we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what I'm trying to get to in reference to chapter 5 and verse 18, as we read a few moments ago where he said, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Here in chapter 1, he, he's, he's telling these readers, and that includes us today as we're reading and studying this particular text from God's Word, he's telling us we don't continue to live in sin, in a lifestyle of sin. But he says, you do make mistakes, you do sin from time to time, and you need to, be, you need to seek God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And that goes all the way down to verse 2 through verse 2 of chapter 2. Jesus is our advocate, our go-between, the one pleading our case before the Father in heaven as we come to God through Jesus in prayer asking forgiveness. We have that, we have that blessing. We have that opportunity because we have already become Christians. But we're still in this, this physical human body, and we still have those weaknesses, and we still commit sin from time to time. But we seek forgiveness through Jesus in prayer to God, and he pleads our case in the throne room in heaven. So remember how emphatic John is here in chapter 1. If we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And when he says if we, uh, going back to, and that's verse 8, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. So even as Christians, we still stub our toe from time to time. Now, it's not excusing sin. It's not excusing us when we do fall into a sin from time to time. But it's simply talking about the reality we still make mistakes. We still come up weak at times, but we have that advocate. We have Jesus there through whom we can go to God in prayer and seek forgiveness, and God will forgive us. If we are truly repentant, God will forgive us. So that's the idea, I believe, in verse 18 when it says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. That is, does not keep on living in a lifestyle of sin. Then he goes on in that, in that verse. The second focus is, but he who has been born of God, and that again is through Jesus, as we're baptized into him for the remission of our sins, he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Well, interesting. The wicked one. Who is the wicked one? Obviously, the devil. The devil is the wicked one who is always after us, trying to lead us into sin. Well, when we turn to the book of James, or the letter from James, in James chapter 1, and we look at verse 27, we read this. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In other words, to keep oneself, each one of us individually, to stay out of sin. Now, again, but the devil's always after us. So we look at chapter 4 in James, and we look at verses 7 and 8. And I know we've looked at these verses many times in our studies together, but it, 
we learn and they keep to make a further keep making a further impression upon us as we continue to focus upon them and that's true of all of God's word so in verse 7 James writes therefore submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded so If we walk with God in faithful obedience on a consistent basis, then the devil has no room in our life. So James says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, once again, to whom is this letter from James written? James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, My brethren, he says. And so he's writing this to Christians. Now, to Christian Jews, Jews who have become Christians, but he's writing this to Christians. And again, this is a letter that really speaks on a continual basis to the individual Christian, how we can live our lives, how we need to live our lives before God in faithfulness on a continual basis, and with the assurance that as long as we're walking with God, God will always be there and walk with us. I want us to come back to 1 John now, 1 John chapter 2, and let's look at verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever, or lives forever. We're talking about there, that focuses on eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in heaven. Eternal life. So, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18, first, Whoever has been born of God, whoever has been reborn into, in, into Christ spiritually, does not, they're giving up that lifestyle of sin. That's what repentance is all about. A change of mind that leads to a change in life, a change in behavior. And then, but who has been born of God keeps himself and, uh, uh, keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. So, Again, how do we keep ourselves safe and secure against all of the wiles, all of the schemings, all of the temptations that the devil throws at us? We walk with God in faithful obedience on a consistent basis. We move on to verse 9. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Well, we just read in in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, that this world is caught up in ungodliness, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And because this world is caught up in the ungodliness of sin, instigated by the devil through his temptations, then the world is passing away. We're taught, we, we, we read about that numerous times in the scriptures. This world is on a on a timing, so to speak, so to speak, as to its longevity. God will bring this world as we know it to an end one day, destroy it with fire. 
And it goes back to Genesis chapters 5 through, you know, 8 or 9, where we're to, we, we saw where God brought the world that then existed to an end, as far as life was concerned thereon, through the flood. And so we read that there's going to be another final day of judgment. This one will be the final day of judgment for mankind. God spared mankind in Noah's day through Noah and his family. Noah was found righteous before God. But the next judgment, the final day of judgment, will be for all of humanity and for the world as we know it. The world will be destroyed through fire. Peter talks about that, and we studied about that when we were studying through Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11. So we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The devil is so influential in this world. He has become so accepted, although most people would say, no, I don't accept the devil. No, that's not true. I'm not walking with the devil. Well, yeah, if you're living in sin, you're walking with the devil. And the devil's very skillful in that he knows how to make wrong look good in the eyes of those whom he is deceiving. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, speaking of Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Well, that was written almost 2,000 years ago, and it spoke of the world as evil, this present evil age. I wonder if it would not even be more applicable to speak in those terms of our world right now, this present evil age. The devil has had such influence over humanity right now. I, I don't, well, I don't believe I've ever seen it. This bad wickedness, this prevalent evil, so sweeping across our nation and around the globe as we can see it right now. But, but what's our reaction to it? Wink and a nod? Not even reacting in those <laughs> surface-level ways? Doesn't even make an impression upon us a whole lot of the time because we have become, we have become so anesthetized to it. It's all around us. We see it all around us and we're being bombarded with it through media, and that's through print media, but also through movies and television. The things that are on television now, so many of them, they would have been rated X when there was a movie rating system that really mattered. Just incredible, but, but we don't even think about it. We just you know, let, it, let it play, and, and we're being numbed to the evil that it's communicating to us, and it, it, it makes it look, because, it, because it's so prevalent and so continuous, it makes it look like it's normal. Well, again, what John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, this world is passing away. The evil of it is passing away. And also, in that particular text, 
the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, this is not of God. It's of the devil, of the devil. It's part of the reality of the world right now. Now we come back to 1 John chapter 5, and verse 20. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. As Christians, we are to stand out from the crowd. Now, that's not somehow an attempt to draw glorifying attention to ourselves. That's not what he's talking about. But we're to be different. We're to be the positive influence in the crowd. And I'm not talking about someone who just talks in a positive way or positive-sounding way. I'm talking about a person who lives a life that naturally exhibits the positive influence of Christianity upon the crowd around him or her. We need to be that positive influence. And we're going to come back and talk about that more next time and probably finish up this particular letter at that point, since there's only one verse beyond that one, as we conclude the study of 1 John. Appreciate so much your interest in learning God's Word further and in being with us through these studies uh, on such a widespread basis. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us your word to guide us, to instruct us, to encourage us, to to assure us of eternal life with you in heaven if we will live by your word, the teachings therein, the best roadmap that we can find for life, the best guidebook to guide us in our daily living and throughout our lives. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. And thank you for your wisdom in laying down in written form the scriptures so that we can read them and understand them and apply them to our lives in an effective and accurate way. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and the thanks. And Father, please, we beg you, please forgive us, gracious Father. And hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.